So, first of all, uh, a good Chaydish. Today is Rish Chaydish Cheshven. And I also want to mention that today's class is Leilu Nishmas in loving memory of Alta Shula Swordlove from Yerushalayim, whose 10th Yorzeit is today. She was three years old when she passed from a tragic accident. And uh, Alta Shula Bas Yabad Lechaim Tevim Rabbi Yosef Yitzchok and the Shama should have an Aliyah. Try to shift gears here. Um, they say back in Soviet Russia there was uh, a guy, sort of a, a dullard, and uh, he was sitting around not doing much, he wanted to amuse himself. He picked up the phone and he called the KGB. So they answer, they say, yeah. He says, is, th is this the KGB? They say, yeah. He says, okay, tell me a joke. So they say, sure, what's your address? He tells them the address. Five minutes later, the door bursts open. KGB officers come, they arrest the guy. They throw him into a work camp in Siberia for 15 years. Fifteen years later, he gets out, he goes back, moves back into his old apartment. <coughs> He's sitting around, bored, wants to amuse himself. So he picks up the phone and he calls the KGB. And uh, they say, yeah, he says, yeah, is this the KGB? They say, yeah, yeah, it is. He says, tell me a joke. So they say, sure, what's your address? He says, no, I know that joke already. <laughs> okay. So, the question is today about jokes, stories that don't get old. You know, how many times can you tell the same joke and people still laugh? How many times can you tell the same story and people are still interested? And yet, what do we see? Today is, uh, we mentioned it's Rosh Chodesh, but it's also the second week of the new cycle of Torah readings, we're in Parshas Noyach, and what we're doing is we're telling the stories all over again. Started last week with Bereshis, with creation, with Adam and Eve, and now we're, uh, we're talking about Noah and the flood, and next week uh, will be Abraham and his life, and Isaac and Jacob, and all the, the forefathers and the patriarchs, the matriarchs. Why do we keep telling these stories? Why don't these stories get old? So that's a general question. Then, I want to ask a more specific question. Oh, and I forgot a Chumash. Is there a Chumash Bereshus? I think there's a Chumash Bereshus back there on the shelf. The blue, up a little bit higher. The blue Svarim. And I, I hope, does it have Rashi? Can you take a look and just make, make sure it has Rashi? Yep. Okay, perfect. All right, excellent. Fine. So, let's do this correctly. How could I forget my chumash? All right, Parshas Nayach starts like this. These are the offspring, these are the children of Nayach. We're familiar with genealogy, we've had it before already in, in Torah. Nayach ish tzadik, Nayach 
was a righteous man. Tamim Hoya Bederesov, he was complete or perfect in his generations. Esho Elakim, his Halach Hashem, the Lord, our God, went with, escorted, accompanied Noyach. All right, now there's a blaring um, question that Rashi addresses, which he presumes that a five-year-old would, would ask, which is, we set it up, we said, this is the genealogy of the descendants, the, the offspring, the children of Noyach. And then we didn't say it. I mean, in the next verse, it says, fathered three children, as Shem, as Cham, as Yafis. That's the genealogy. Those are the toil dice, the children of Noyach. But it says these are the children of Noyach, but then it doesn't say the children of Noyach. What does it do? It tells us his greatness. It says he was, a, he, was a, he was a righteous man. He was perfect in his generations. Hashem walked with him. So Rashi addresses this. He says, Since we mentioned him, we relate his praise. How do we know that's a thing? Shenema, like it says, it says in King Solomon, the wisest of all men, wrote a book of Proverbs, Mishle. Shenema, Zeicher Tzadik Livrocha. Mention a Tzadik for praise. And uh, if you actually look up Rashi on that verse in Proverbs, Rashi says, when you mention a Tzadik, bless him. So that's the first thing that we learn. We learn that when you mention a tzaddik, even though it might be sort of like a parenthetical statement or it's off topic or it doesn't follow through with the flow of the sentence, I was going to tell you the lineage that descended from Nayak, but you know, I mentioned Nayak and I got to tell you his credentials. I got to tell you his greatness. And that's, that's a teaching. Okay. Now, it's known the Alter Rebbe said, the Balatanya, that Pirish Rashi al-Chumish is Yeinah shel Torah. Yeinah shel Torah is from the word Yain. It's the wine of Torah. Wine, we know about wine, it says, Nichnes Yain Yoytzeseid. That when wine goes in, the secrets come out. Now, that means on a, you know, bio, a biochemical level as well, but also, wine symbolically is that which brings out hidden mysteries. In fact, yain and soid are the same gematria, they're both 70. So the wine of Torah is Pirashashi al-Chomish. Pirashashi al-Chomish, as we mentioned, was written to answer the question that an intelligent five-year-old would have about the simple meaning of the verses, and yet it's not so simple. It's simple, and at the same time, has deep lessons. There was a sicha, a gathering, Motze Shabbos Parshas Bereshis, meaning the Saturday night after they read Bereshis, in 1974. It was already Tavshin Lamed Hay, where the Lubavitcher Rebbe spoke to a group of Neshei Chabad, women and girls. And in this sicha, the Rebbe gave many, many teachings that are applicable to women. And one of the teachings was based on this verse with, with this Rashi, and the Rebbe asked the question, what's the deeper lesson? We understand the simple meaning, just, as we just explained, but what's the deeper lesson and the instruction to us that's embedded also in this, in this Rashi? Okay. 
And as I was mentioning also, we had a general question. We're starting the first of the five books again, and we're telling the stories of the patriarchs and the matriarchs again. What's the deal with telling those stories again? Okay, so you following the basic question? You have a general question, why are we telling the stories again? And we have a, a more specific question, what's the deeper teaching in this Rasha that says that when you mention a tzaddik, you relate his praise? So in order to answer these questions, what I want to do first, I'm going to tell you a story. Okay. So the story is like this. The third Rebbe of Chabad, the Tzemach Tzedek, he was the grandson of the Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya. He had a chassid, a, uh, a devoted disciple who was in his own right a great mystic and teacher. He wrote Hasidic uh, uh, commentary and his name was Reb Isaac Hummeler, Yitzchak Isaac Hummeler. There was one time that Tzemach Tzedek sent Reb Isaac on a shlichus to Ruzhin. Now Ruzhin was the court of Reb Yisrael Friedman, the great-grandson of the Mezritcher Magid. That's the Hasidic mishpechology there. Okay, but the, the, the Ruziner Tzadik, Rabbi Yisrael, was a great Tzadik in his own right. And he was, as we mentioned, a contemporary of the Tzamech Tzadik. The Tzamech Tzadik sent Reb Isaac on a, on a shlichus pertaining to communal matters. And Reb Isaac spent a few days in the court of the Ruziner. And being that Reb Isaac was from the Chabad court, and he was used to that style of Chassidus, and the Ruziner was the Polish style of Chassidus. It was, it was foreign to him, and therefore it was very interesting to him. So during his visit, Reb Isaac was closely watching the conduct of the Ruziner and trying to learn what they do different there in Poland. All right, so on the first day he was there, what happened is a couple of the Ruziner's Chassidim came to the court. And they both had Svarim. In fact, they both had written Svarim. One of them wrote a Sefer of Chidushe Torah. He, he himself was a great scholar, and he wrote a Sefer of innovative teachings on Talmudic thinking. The other had written a book of stories, Hasidic stories. So both of these books were presented to the Ruzhiner Tzaddik at the same time. Reb Isaac was very interested when he noticed that although they were both presented at the same time, <coughs> the Ruzhiner reacted and spoke about and praised the book of stories. And then only afterward he mentioned that the book of Chidushe Torah was also good. Later, he had his uh, attendant write out an approbation, a written haskama, and he first gave to the author of the book of stories, and afterwards he gave to the author of the book of Chidushim. And Rabbi Isaac noted this because in, in his mind, it's, a, it's more of a feat or it's more of an accomplishment to write real Torah scholarship than to compile stories. But he didn't say anything. A few days later, it was Rosh Chodesh. Which month Rosh Chodesh? I don't know. But 
Rosh Chodesh, just like today is Rosh Chodesh. And the Rosh used to have a Sudas Rosh Chodesh. He used to have a, 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 a meal to celebrate the new month. At the meal, the Rosh began speaking, and he said, our esteemed guest, the Lithuanian genius, referring to Isaac Homeler, Lithuanian sometimes means non-Hasidic, but in this case the Chabad Hasidim being from White Russia, which was part of Lithuania, as opposed to Poland, where the bulk of Hasidim were from. So Lithuanian meant the Chabad Hasid. He says, our, our esteemed guest, the Lithuanian genius, uh, wonders about my conduct. The Ruzhiner was a, you know, very holy and pure man, and he, you know, as many such figures, he was, had some sort of clairvoyance, he could read minds, so he, he knew that the, that Rabbi Isaac was thinking this. So he says, our guest, our esteemed guest, the Lithuanian genius, he has a question about my conduct in giving acknowledgement to the book of stories before the book of uh, scholarship. So uh, the Rishner says, I only learned from the best teacher. I learned from Hashem. I learned from Hashem that when you start the Torah, you start with Bereshis, and Sefer Bereshis is full of stories. And the first mitzvah doesn't even begin until the second book, and not even the first parsha of the second book. It's not even until Parsha's Bay, when you have a Chedish Azelachem, the mitzvah of Rosh Chedish. Interestingly enough, that it was on Rosh Chedish when the story took, took place. So, and, and in fact, the first Rashi in, in Chumash, on the first verse, asks this question, seemingly Torah could have begun with the first mitzvah, Why does it begin with all of these stories? Well, Torah means heira, means instruction. So why stories? So Rashi says that this itself, the stories are instruction. He explains specifically what that instruction is, but the point is that Rishna said, I learned from the best teacher, I learned from Hashem, that before Hashem got into the mitzvahs, first he told the stories about the righteous patriarchs and matriarchs. And this too is the way that we are to educate ourselves and educate our children, is the basis of Yiddishkeit, are the stories, and then we talk about the ideas, we talk about the, the deep concepts. It's interesting, I once heard a, uh, a Baldarshan, a, uh, you know, a speaker, he once gave a piece of advice that I have found personally extremely useful, and I try to live by it. There's a, there's a Mishnah in Pirkei that says, Call me Shechachmose Muruba al Maisov, anyone who has more wisdom than deed. Meaning someone who's, you know, like in the ivory tower, the academic, you know, sort of, so to speak, the Torah equivalent of the, you know, the, 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 the scholar. He knows a lot, but he's lacking in Maisa. He's lacking in action. He doesn't do as much as he knows to do. So it says, Chachmose Enemis Kayemis, his wisdom will not endure. As opposed to the person who maybe doesn't have so much Chachma, the Mishnah says, but he has a lot of maise, <clears throat> he has a lot of action, and therefore even what he knows will be preserved. So this uh, Baldarshan said, anyone who has a lot of information, a lot of smart stuff to say, but it's more than maise, than the maise. The maise also means a story. 
He has more information than stories. You won't remember the information that he taught. But if he has more stories than information, then you'll remember the information. So I try to follow this. In fact, I'm, I'm ostensibly following it right now. So that's the idea. That the basis of Yiddishkeit are in the stories. And specifically stories of holy and pure and righteous individuals. There's a saying that the rest of the world <clears throat> tells their children stories to put them to sleep. And we Jews tell our children stories to keep them awake. So if this principle of putting the stories first is important, even for adults, as the Rizhner acknowledged, how much more so in the education of children who are learning the foundations of Judaism, that their Judaism is based on stories. So I want to relate to you, I mentioned at the beginning of the class that uh, today is the yard site of a, of a young girl. You mentioned at the beginning, yeah, and uh, I want to tell you one of her favorite stories. She was three years old, so what kind of ideas of Torah could she understand? I don't know. But she knew this story, and it was one of her mother's favorite stories as a child, and it was one of her favorite stories, and uh, it was a story that she could connect with on a personal level as well. Stories like this. There were two sisters named Leah and Rachel. Good names for some Jewish girls. And uh, Leah and Rachel were not just sisters, they were, they were best of friends. And one day the dam broke and water came rushing through the town and washed everything away. And Leah was lost. And when she found her way, she was in a different town. In fact, it was not a Jewish town, it was a non-Jewish town. And they assumed that her parents had been wiped out in the disaster. And these non-Jews adopted her and raised her as a non-Jew. At any rate, it was years later, and uh, Leah got lost in a forest. And she was wandering by herself, just trying to find her way. And uh, it's getting dark, dark in the forest. There was really no way to find anything there, no way to see. And uh, just as it was uh, getting impossible to see her way, she saw a faint little light. And uh, just as it was starting to get dark, she saw a light. And uh, she followed the light. And she discovered the light was coming from a little house. She entered the house and she saw a candle. She saw a girl her age standing next to the candle. And at that moment, everything clicked and she remembered. That was the Shabbos candle and that was her long lost sister Rachel. And Leah found Rachel through the candle. Obviously, this is a very meaningful story to a little girl who was a shlucha. Her parents were both American, both uh, from uh, the States. They went on shlichas to Eretz HaKadosh, to the Holy Land, specifically in Irak Kodesh, in Yerushalayim. And uh, 
that idea of lighting your candle, and of course, as you know, the Rebbe stressed that even three-year-old girls should light Shabbos candles. So little Shula had her Shabbos candle, and for her, that was, you know, a life's mission. Even if she didn't understand the depth of it, she knew what this story meant, and she knew the idea of, of lighting that candle, being that beacon for your long-lost sister, which every Jew is our brother or sister, and we light that light to draw them back home. So I tell you the story, not just Lily Nishmas, but I, but I tell it as a great example of terrific parenting, um, where a very deep concept was taught to, a, to a, a small child, and it was taught through the story. And th this, this, is, this is the lesson for all of us, that uh, in the stories are contained the deepest ideas. So, now I'll tell you the answer to the original question. We were saying in general, why do we start over and tell these stories again when we know these stories? And the answer, the simple answer is, because we keep telling the stories because in the stories are contained an endless trove of meaning, instruction, guidance for our lives. We just keep revisiting the stories of our holy matriarchs and patriarchs and of all the holy people throughout the, through, throughout the generations. But specifically, remember we asked a specific question when this was from the Rebbe's address to a group of women. Why does Rashi say that when you mention a tzaddik, you should mention his praise. So the Rebbe said like this. There's a deeper lesson here. Toildes noyach means children. And noyach was a tzaddik. Ve'amich kulam tzaddikim, all Jews are called tzaddik. So really, this verse is telling you how a tzaddik should raise his or her child. This is parenting advice for a tzaddik to raise the child of a tzaddik. And every Jew is a tzaddik, and every Jewish child is a tzaddik, and the child of a tzaddik. So if you want to have toilets, if you want to raise a child the way a tzaddik raises a child, here's the tip. Get excited about tzaddikim. To the extent that when you so much as mention the name, you have to stop. The Rebbe says in, in, in the Sicha, the, he describes the excitement. He says, They should be seized with, with excitement, the parents. When they so much as utter the name, the mention of the tzaddik, all of a sudden you say, hey, I can't even hold back. I want to tell you what a tzaddik, he was a tomim, he, Hashem went with him. This is the deeper hidden teaching in the Rashi, is when you talk to your children and you so much as mention a tzaddik, you get excited and say, you know what, I got to tell you a story about this tzaddik. So I'll tell you one more story. And the story is about a villain, a real villain, not a, unfortunately, not a Disney cartoon villain, a uh, Unfortunately, a Jew by the name of Shimon Akaifer, Shimon the heretic. 
he was one of the leaders of the Maskilim, of the Jewish Enlightenment. And he was specifically a, uh, I don't know if you call him a, an emissary, a shliach. A shliach is for a mitzvah, not for an Aveda. But he was sent out by the, the Enlightenment from Germany. They sent him to Eastern Europe <coughs> to, uh, to find the best and the brightest and to convert them over to heresy. And then he would, see he himself was a Talmud Chochem, and he used his knowledge for, for evil. And what he would do, he would impress the parents with his scholarship, and then he would uh, start teaching the children. And then when he found a young man with, with promise, he would tell the parents, oh, your child, he has such talent, it's a shame to waste it here in your little shtetl in Poland. I'm going to send him to a big yeshiva. And what he really did is he sent him to Germany, and he sent him to secular schools where they took him away from the true path. So he was called Shimon Kaifer. Now, he peddled his uh, wares in a few different communities in Eastern Europe. And he wrote memoirs. He wrote a diary about it. And how do we have his diary? Because I'm going to ruin the end of the story, but the Alter Rebbe caught him and chased him out of town. And when he fled, he left behind his writings. So we got his diary. And we found out all of his nefarious plans and everything that he had been involved in and all the operations, how he had done it. He wrote about the fact that when he would go to Poland and uh, he would try to make inroads among the Hasidim there, he said their style <coughs> was more emotional. So he says they, they were easier prey. He said, because all he had to do was sow seeds of cynicism. Like he would just, you know, sort of make cynical comments, sort of, you know, denigrating or, or scoffing. And that was enough to sort of get his hooks in them. He says he had, he had a lot of problems, though, with the Litvisher with Chassidim, which is sort of an oxymoron. I, like I mentioned before, the original referred to Rabbi Isaac Humler as, as, as a Litvisher. Today, Litvisher means decidedly non-Hasidic, but Chabad is sort of an anomaly, being the Litvisher Hasidim. So, the, the Alter Rebbe, in fact, among the Talmudi Amagid, I, have to, I just have to mention, because I mentioned the Alter Rebbe, you know, I, I just want to mention something about the Alter Rebbe. It, um, the, the Baal Shem Tov had 60 Shishim Talmidim. And the Magid was Pishnayim, he had double, like Elisha was double of Elio in prophecy. The Magid had 120 students. Now, obviously, he had tens of thousands of followers and people who were influenced by him, but I'm saying actual disciples. Uh, those 120 disciples were the all-stars of Judaism. I mean, we're talking about the Rebbe Elimelech, Rebbe Zosheh, and the Chayze, and Rebbe Yitzchak Bedechever, and Rebbe Shmelkim, and Nicholsburg, and, and his brother, the Balaflo. I mean, just the, the all-stars. And then there was the, the, the sort of the different one, who they used to call him the Litvak. They called him the Litvak. Who was it? The Magid called him Zalman Yu, Rabbi Shneir Zalman of Liadi. And uh, he had a different style. In fact, they say, yeah, and this is off topic, but I'm mentioning the Alter Rebbe and I'm excited, I want to tell you something. Levi Yitzchak Badichever said that we all ate from the same bowl, but the Litvak took the cream. You know, you know how the cream is the, you know, rises to the top. So they were eating, I guess, from the same bowl metaphorically, meaning they all heard teachings from the Magid, but the Litvak, meaning 
the Alter Rebbe took the cream. And they say that the Alter Rebbe was the only one who didn't follow. Uh, did, the Alter Rebbe was the only one who heard an entire teaching of the Maggid from beginning to end. Why? It wasn't that the other Talmudim were playing hooky. They were great tzaddikim. He was the only one who didn't fall into a trance of uh, sort of an otherworldly state. The other Talmudim were so holy and so spiritual, as was the Alter Rebbe, but uh, they would hear the teachings and they would sort of like, it was too much for them, blow them away, and then they would not hear the rest of the teaching. So then you're going to ask, well, if the Alter Rebbe was also holy, how come it didn't have that effect on him. Why? Because he was the Litvak. Like it says in Tanya, the brain rules over the heart. So even though he was also blown away, but he, he, he had a certain stoicism, a certain measure of you know, intellectual um, control over the emotion. So he wouldn't allow himself to become blown away by the story, uh, by, the, by the teaching, by the teachings of the, of the Magad. I'll tell you also that when the Alter Rebbe came to Mezrich, one of the things that he heard from the other Talmidim was, I believe he heard this from the, the Magid's son, the Malach, Rebbe Avram, who, uh, who was the Ruzhiner's grandson, or grandfather. The Ruzhiner, Rebbe Yisro, was the grandson of, of Rebbe Avram, uh, the Malach, I believe. At any rate, the, the Malach told, and the, he was called the Malach because he was so holy. He told the Alter Rebbe, when he arrived, uh, that by us, a teaching, a Torah teaching, chsidis, that the Rebbe teaches is Teresh Peh, oral Torah. But a Maisa from the Rebbe, a story from the Rebbe, either about the Rebbe or from the Rebbe, that's Teresh Bechsav, that's the written, that's the written Torah. So at any rate, I'm sorry I got excited about the Alter Rebbe, so I told you a bunch of other stuff, but Shimon HaKaifer, he said he couldn't, he had a hard time with the Litvish Chassidim, with the Chabad Chassidim, he says because one is, they're very intellectual, but he says he had a way around it, he had to work harder, but he, he himself, like I told you, he was a Torah scholar, so he would dazzle them with his scholarship. Um, he said... But the one problem, he said, the one thing he couldn't get past, and he decided just to forget it because they were you know, just too hard to deal with, he said he noticed something among these chassidim that when they would mention the Rebbe, when they would so much as mention the Rebbe, if they would mention the Rebbe or someone would mention the Rebbe to them, or any tzaddik, they would stop whatever they were doing. He said simple women and, and, and grandmothers would stop. They would go find water. They would wash their hands three times like Natila Sedaim. And then they would come back to the conversation because they didn't want to talk about the tzaddik before they washed their hands. He said, once he saw this, he says, I, I can't deal with these people because they have that level of attachment to holy people. When you have that kind of relationship, with living, breathing examples of Judaism, it's very hard to be subversive. When people's attachment is more conceptual, more abstract, okay, so I also know some smart ideas. I can, you know, twist it and I can get into their head. But when they have tzaddikim in their lives, when they have role models, when they have, like I say, living, breathing examples of Judaism that they know and they love and they feel attached to, forget it. You can't undermine their Judaism.
So, let's all remember to enjoy the stories of the Aves, the Yemais, in the Chumash, to enjoy the stories of the holy Jewish men and women throughout history, throughout the ages, throughout all the generations. Tell them to your children and tell them to each other and tell them to yourself. Agut Nechaydish.